So we begin the Gemara on the bottom of Kuf Yutesam at Beis, four or five lines from the bottom where it says, Va'amarava. The Gemara here brought a few opinions regarding the reason of what caused the Chorban of the Beis HaMikdash. Va'amarava, Rava says, Lecharva Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim was not destroyed. Ela b'shvil she'paskum imeno anshi amona. Because the people that are trustworthy amongst them were gone. Shenemar, as it says, Shaitutu b'chutzes Yerushalayim, go and search in the outskirts of Yerushalayim. Udu'u na and see, udu'u bikshu b'chavisel, look in its streets. Im timtsu ish, if you'll find a person, oisem mishpat, that does justice. Mevakish amuna, that looks for, uh, for honesty. Ve'eslachla, and then I'll forgive it. So because that wasn't found, therefore the Yidin, the Beis HaMikdash, the Yerushalayim, was destroyed. Frek the Gemara Eini, is this true, that there was no trustworthy people in that time period? Va'omer Avketin, but Rav said, Afila b'shaz kishloyna, shal Yerushalayim. Even in the time of the downfall of Yerushalayim, the trustworthy people amongst them was, was not stopped. There were still trustworthy people. Shanamar, as the Pasuk If a person grabs his brother, base over from his father's house, and he tells him, You have a garment. Be a officer for us. Be a leader for us. So the Gemara now will first explain the meaning of this Pasuk. What does it mean he grabs it and, sa- and says to him, you have, a sim- uh, you have a simla, you have a garment. What kind of garment are we talking about? Dvarim shebenei adam miskasim bem kesimla, matters that people cover up, like the way you cover yourself with a garment, yeshnam biyadecha, are in your hands. So Rashi explains what this refers to as teira, that many times a person is asked a question and he doesn't know the answer, and he makes believe as if he knows the answer and he doesn't answer, to, to just to, to appear that he knows it. So this is the concept of a simla used regarding this subject, that a person conceals, he conceals what he doesn't know. So he, he, he was telling him, you have a simla, you have this knowledge. Then it says further in the Pasuk there, And this machshela, this thing that people stumble upon, is in your hands. So what is this referring to? It also refers to Teireh. Dvarim, she'eim, b'nei adam, oimdim aleim. These are matters that people do not fully understand them. Elam, kein, nechshalom behen. Unless they first stumbled upon them. As Rashi here explains, when you learn Teireh, and you want to really fully understand Teireh, it's only possible if you learn it once, twice, three times, and you stumble, and then you can get to the depths of Teireh. So, you have this under your hands, you have it in your hands, so they be a leader for us, be a teacher, teach us Teira. So what, did, what does the Pasuk continue there, the next Pasuk, how did he respond? He says on that day, I will not be a leader. So the Gemara will explain now this Pasuk, what the uh, response is. The word Yisa means it's an oath. He promises, he says, I am not going to do this. As we see in another place, which is uh, not, not to swear in vain in Hashem's name. So the word Yisa here as well means that he took an oath. What does the word Chayvish mean here? I'm not going to be from those people that shut themselves into the Beis HaMedrish. In my house there's no bread and there's no garments. What does this mean? What it means is I don't have in my hands like Mikra, like Mishnah, like Mara. I don't know Chumash, I don't know Mishnayis, I don't know Gemara. So therefore I can't teach you Taira. You have the wrong person. So right over here, what do we see? Rab Katina learned out from these Psukim that they were honest when they didn't know how to teach Taira. They didn't make believe as if they knew or they didn't teach when they can't. They were very honest and they didn't teach what they didn't know. How do you know that's the shot of these psukim? 
Dilma Shani Hassan, perhaps over there what he, what he was answering is different. The Yamalahu Gamirna, if he would respond and say, Yes, in fact, I do have a lot of taita, I know a lot of taita, Omrulay Emilan. Then he would say to uh, they would say to him, Nusa, tell us, teach us. And perhaps Hitaka didn't know, and he was only saying, I don't know, to, to conceal Taka the fact that he didn't want to get caught that he doesn't know. So how do we know that this shows on a on a Anshe Amana that were tr- that they were trustworthy people in that time period? So the Gemara says no. If so, Why couldn't he simply said, "I learned, I did know, but now I forgot, and therefore I can't uh, teach you"? He didn't have to say, "I don't know nothing, I have nothing at all, I don't want to be part of the Bismedrish." Why did he say that? My loy When he says, "I don't want to be in the Bismedrish, I can't teach you Torah," why did he have to deny his knowledge of Torah to this extent? Klaloy. This he's saying over here, he's being very honest and he's saying, I don't have Torah to teach you. So this was the Raya of Rav Ketina, that these people in that time period were very honest. And how could we say that when the Besamikdash was destroyed, there was no Anshi Ammon, there were no trustworthy people in Yerushalayim. Answers the Gemara, Loi Kashe. So it's red Klal. Klal as in, we don't have nothing. Then Loi goes together with the afterwards. Loi Kashe, there's no question here. When it comes to matters of Teireh, the war people that were honest, that they said honestly what they know and what they don't know. When it comes to matters of business, here's where Anshi Amana, people that were honest in business, was not available anymore, and therefore Yerushalayim was destroyed. Zogte Mishneh, back to the halachas about saving food from the fire. Matzilin, you're allowed to save from the fire. Sal, mole, kikres, a basket that's full of loaves of bread. Even if there's enough of bread there for a hundred sudas. You're allowed to save a circle of a bunch of pressed figs, even if there's a lot in it. A big barrel of wine. He's allowed to tell others, Come and save for yourself as well. If these individuals are smart, They'll make an account with him after Shabbos regarding what this person owes them for the job that they did to save these things. The Gemara will explain this detail more. When you save the food from the fire, to where are you allowed to take it into? Only into a chatzar that has an eruve chatzeris, a chatzar that belongs to many people, many different houses, unless you make an eruve chatzeris, where everybody combines themselves with one food that's placed in one place, you can't carry out from there midrabbanon into this chatzar. So it has to be a chatzar me'ureves. Ben Beseda Oimer, Ben Beseda said, Af l'she'eno me'ureves. They allow to save from the fire even to a chatzar that has no eruv. He's allowed to bring out over there all the um, utensils, all the um, food, whatever he needs for his food, plates, bowls, whatever he eats to be able to eat out of it as meal. And now regarding clothing, what kind of clothing is he allowed to save? He's allowed to wear whatever he's, it's possible from him, whatever layers of clothing it's possible for him to wear. If he could wrap himself with as many layers of clothing as he wants and walk out with it in Shabbos. Rabbi Yaisi argues and says, no, he's only allowed to wear 18 layers of garments to walk out in Shabbos. And the Gemara is going to explain what these 18 garments are, why Dafke, the number 18. Now he can Now he, the person can get dressed with many layers, go back into the and then take them off. 
come back into the house and put on many layers again and come back on. Rashi says this is according to the Tanakama. That according to the Tanakama, he's allowed to do this many times, come back and forth. And he can tell other people as well, Come and save the clothing from the fire together with me. So, the Gemara starts with the beginning of the Mishnah. What did it say? He can save a basket full of bread, even if it's enough for a hundred Sudas. Asks the Gemara, but what lay? We learned in the Mishnah before, Reisha and the Reisha in the previous Mishnah, what did it say? Gimel Sudas Vesuloi. He could save the amount of food needed for the three Sudas of Shabbos and not more. Um, Rav Hone, Rav Hone answers, Le-kashye. it's not a question. Kan in a case where a person is coming to save everything in one basket, like what it's talking about in our Mishnah, all of the bread is all in one basket, and you just pick up one basket and take everything out, over there you're allowed, even if in this basket there's so much food for a hundred sudas. Kan but then you have a case where a person it has to take and gather together one basket for one Suda, another basket for another Suda, another basket for a third Suda. So if he has to gather together a lot more and it's not all in one basket, there there's an amount. Here it's an extra Tircha and therefore the Chachamim said it's only allowed if it's the amount of three Sudas. So Bala Hatzel, if he's saving it all in one basket, so the matzal is kulan, he could save everything. Bala Kapil, if he has to go and gather from more food, he has to take from the cabinets, from the fridge, and from the counter, and from different places, and he's bringing one basket and another basket, so then, Enem a Kapil, Elamaz, and Gimel Sudas. He's only allowed to save the amount for three Sudas. So Rabba Zavda says in the name of Rav, Idi, Idi, both of the Mishnas. They're both talking about a person that is gathering food and it's not just in one basket. And it's not a question. In a case where we allow him to take even a hundred sudas, if he's bringing it into his chotzer, into his courtyard where the house is on fire, in a case where he's bringing it into a different courtyard, there the Chachamim said he's only allowed to bring out three sudas. Yeshua had a question based on the first answer that we gave. That there's a difference if it's one basket or if you're gathering many different things together. So the question is as follows. So he spreads out a big cloak. And he gathers and he places it into this cloak and he gathers more and places it into this cloak. So now he's going to pick up this one big cloak that has everything gathered inside of it and go out with it. So what do I say? My, what's the halacha here? Kebal hatzel dummy. Is this like a person that's just saving one basket? Because right now, when he walks out from the house, he just has one cloak and everything is placed inside and he picks it all up together and he walks out. So he's only saving one basket or one, one it's all together in one place. Or maybe not, or maybe it's different. Oi, kebal a dummy. Or this is a person that's really gathering together from other places. In other words, true, right now when he's walking out, when he's saving everything from the fire, it's already all in one cloak and he ties it up and he carries it out. But he did have to gather from everywhere to bring it all together. So maybe in such a case, because he's being matriach to gather from different places, it wasn't originally all in one basket, so it wouldn't be allowed. So the Gemara explains and says as follows. The answer is because Narav has said regarding a similar question that was asked, regarding a similar subject. This is something we had before regarding a case where you had a barrel of wine that was on the roof and there's a hole in the barrel of wine and the wine is leaking out. So what happens over there? We learned before you're allowed to bring another keli to save the wine. So now Rav has said, 
Rav Shizvi made a mistake. He misled Rav Chiste and Vidarash, and he said, If you're bringing a keli to save this wine that's dripping out, you're not allowed to bring a large keli that could contain more than three sudas. You're only allowed to save enough wine that you need for the three sudas of Shabbos, so you're not allowed to bring more than a keli that's going to hold in it more than three sudas for Shabbos. Okay, now this was a mistake. What he said was not true. Really, you're allowed to bring a bar- you're allowed to bring a keli as large as you want to save as much wine as you want. So shmami no. So what do we see from this? domi, That if you have a large cloak and you place everything into one cloak as large as it may be, and you place everything inside of it, and it's one thing, you can take it out on Shabbos. Just like we see over here in this case, that if there's a leak of the wine in the barrel, and you're allowed to put as large as a keli, as long as it's one keli, you're allowed to put as, as, as large as a keli you want to save from this wine. The same thing is over here. Since when you're walking out, it's all in one cloak together, you're allowed to save as much as you want. So the Gemara explains, the Shapir Domi, it's allowed. What was the mistake that Rav Shezvi made? So he explained him, because it says, You're not allowed to bring a second keli, and to catch the wine in the ear. Keli acher, a second keli v'yitzaref, and bring it close to the roof and catch the wine over there. So from here we understand. Keli to bring a second keli, that's not allowed. If you have one keli that you're using to save the wine, as large as this keli may be, you can save as much wine as you want, even more than three sudas, as long as it's one large keli. So the same applies in our case. If you have one large cloak that you spread out and you place everything inside of it, as long as when you're walking out, you're walking out with one cloak that has everything in it, you're allowed to save as much as you want, as it said in the Mishnah, even up to a hundred sudas. Now, it said in the Mishnah, the eagle shall dvela, and then it said in the Mishnah that there's a cheshbin. The people, when he invites other people to come help him save from the fire, so these people can make a cheshbin with him after Shabbos. So the Gemara asks, cheshbin maya videte, what kind of a cheshbin? What, what calculation is there here? Me'afkeide kezachu, they're being zaycheh from hefker. In other words, the pshat here simply would be, what kind of cheshbon are they making? That whatever they save, they have to give back to this person. They saved it for him. And now they can make a cheshbon with him that he has to pay them. He has to pay them for the labor. They work, they save it from the fire. But do they have to give back anything they save to him? And they have to make a cheshbon with this? They're being zaycheh from hefker. As Rashi explains, he told the people, Come save for yourself. So it's, it's theirs. They, they can go and take it for themselves. So if it's hefker, so why do they have to make any cheshbin with him? Rav Chiste, Rav Chiste says, Midas chsidis shonukan. You're right. Apidin, they can keep whatever they took out. But this is a midas chsidis, and therefore they want to give it back. They nebucharachman is the person out of fire, and they, they, they want to give him back the uh, things that they saved. And they're, they're, they can make a cheshbin to charge him for the labor of the work that they did. So Rav said regarding this pshat, if you're referring to these people as chassidim, they're doing things lefnim meshuras adin, and they're going to charge this person for the for, for the work that they did on Shabbos, going to charge him for for the Shabbos for work done on Shabbos. 
So now as Rashi explains, this is not really an issue of schar Shabbos. You're not allowed to hire someone to do a job for you and then pay him for that job on Shabbos. They weren't hired. They didn't make a condition with them in advance. They weren't told they're going to get paid. But still, if they are chsidim, they shouldn't be uh, charging this person for the work that was done on the Shabbos. Eloma Rave, so therefore Rav explains, you're right, they're not exactly on the level of chsidim, but we're talking about people that are God-fearing people. They're not, they don't want to have benefit from another person's uh, uh, possessions that they saved from a fire. But for free, they also don't want to come and work to save from the fire. So, so according to this, the Pshat on the mission is as follows. If they are wise, the Yodi, and they know the Halacha, that in this scenario, this is not called Schar Shabbos. You weren't hired explicitly to do this job on Shabbos. You weren't told you're going to get paid. So they know that there's no issue of getting paid for Shabbos. So then, They'll be able to approach this person after Shabbos and charge him, make a calculation for the work that they did to save the money or to save the possessions on Shabbos. The next thing it said in the Mishnah, that you bring it into a chotzer moreves, a chotzer sheinu moreves. So the Gemara here now will point out that there's a distinction in the Lashon of the Mishnah when it talks about inviting people to save the food and when you're inviting people or asking people to come and save with clothing, your garments. By the food, it says, Hatzilu lochem, save for yourself. And by the garments, it says, Hatzilu imi, save with me. So the Gemara asks, Why regarding food does it use the term lochem, save for yourself? Why regarding the garments does it say, with me? So Omri, they answered, Regarding the Zionist, it says, save for yourself. Because, it's not, don't save it for me, because for himself, he's only allowed to save the amount for three sudas. So whatever additional is being saved, you're saving for yourself. Regarding garments, it says in the Mishnah, come and save with me. Because he has the time all day, as we learned in the Mishnah, he can go in and out, he can put on many layers, and then take them off, and then come back in and save more. So when he asks people to help him, he's asking people help with me, for what I could do for myself. We learned in Abraai says, follows, a person can put on the layers of garments, and he takes it out, and then and he takes off these layers, and he goes back into the house, and he puts on more layers of garments, and he takes them out again, and he takes them off these layers, he can do this as long as he wants to get out all the clothing from the house. This is Rab Meir's opinion. Rab Yaisi says, you're only allowed to take out, 18 layers of garments. These are the 18 garments. Makteren, sort of a, a, a jacket. Unkeli, a coat. Upunde, a belt that's on top of the coat. Kalabus shall pishton, a vest made out of linen. Vcholok, a undergarment, an undershirt. Vapiliais, and apiliais is a, um, some, some kind of a uh, sheet or some kind of a robe they would wrap on their body. Umapeides and a turban. Shnei's It's two bands that were worn on the legs. Shnei menolim, two shoes. Shnei ampilois, two socks. Ubeis parged, two parged are two um, 
uh, leggings. If you take a look into Rashi here, for Pargid, Rashi says, Beloshen Ashkenaz, which is Yiddish. Knie Heisen, it's uh, Heisen, it's uh, um, pants for the knees. Very unusual, Rashi uses Loshen Ashkenaz. The Chagoyer, another uh, gartel on the waist, Shebemosnov on his waist. The Koiva, Shebereishoy, the uh, hat on his head. The Sudosh Shebetzavoroy, and the handkerchief around his neck that a person uses, as Rashi says, even though it's, not a, it's, it's a garment, but it's also used to wipe yourself, your eyes and your nose, and your mouth. That's also another garment that you can take out. So those are the 18 garments that you can take out on Shabbos, according to Rabbi Yaisi. Zokta Mishneh, Rab Shimin Ben Nanas says, so what happens again? We're talking in a case where a fire breaks out in the house on Shabbos. So what? You can't extinguish the fire on Shabbos. But what could you do to contain the fire or prevent the fire from spreading? Pairsin Eirishel Gidi, you're allowed to spread out a hide of a goat, al gabe sheet of a table, or migdol, over any kind of a closet. Where there's a fire that's, that's there, caught on fire. Because this hide will not burn. It will get singed, but it won't burn. It will prevent the fire to coming to this uh, closet. You're also allowed to make sort of a barrier with any kinds of kalim, with any kinds of vessels. Whether they're filled with water, whether they're empty, so the fire won't pass this barrier. The fire shouldn't pass. Rabbi Yaisi, Eiser, Rabbi Yaisi says it's not allowed if you have new, brand new earthenware that are filled with water, so that's not allowed. You can't make the barrier with these kinds of earthenware. Why not? They can't handle the heat of the fire. They're new, they're fresh, and the change in temperature will cause they're going to crack, they're going to burst open, and the water will come out, and you will be extinguishing the fire. So as we'll see here in the Gemara, there's a machloikis here, whether gram kiboy causing to extinguish the fire is allowed or not. Tanakama is saying that it's allowed, we're not concerned if it might burst open. And Rabbi Yaisi is saying that if it might burst open, so then even though you're not extinguishing the fire directly, but you're causing the fire to be extinguished, it's not allowed. When you have a garment that it caught on fire on one end, you're allowed to pour water on the other side of the garment. And if when the fire reaches that side of the garment, the water will extinguish the fire, it's okay. You only cause the fire to be extinguished. You didn't extinguish it directly, so it's not a problem. Okay, so now the Rishayim Taisus point out that this is talking about a case where the, the pouring the water onto the garment is not an issue of mechabis, of washing this garment on Shabbos. This could, that could be another issue. But in the case where that issue is not a problem, the fact that you caused it to uh, extinguish the fire, if you didn't extinguish it directly, is not an issue. And this is uh, today, I mean, if the fire breaks out, you can pour water around so the fire won't spread because it's, you're not directly extinguishing the fire. Meisvei asks the Gemara, Talis shalchas ba er mitzadechol. You learned in Abraisa, a garment that caught on fire on one side. Poishta, you can spread it out. Umiskasaba, and you can cover yourself with it. Vim kafsa kafsa. If the fire got extinguished, it's extinguished. So you didn't directly extinguish it. Same is also with a sefer God forbid, that if that a fire caught on it, poishta v'kaira, but you spread it out and read from it. Vim kava kava, and if it, um, if it, uh, if the fire got extinguished, so then the fire got extinguished. 
So what do you see over here? It doesn't say you're allowed to pour any water. It just says that you can open it up, you can use it, but it doesn't say that you're allowed to pour any water. So how did Rav Yudah say that you could pour water that will cause it to extinguish the fire? Answers the Gemara, the Oma Kerab Shimon ben Nanes. He's following, Rav is following the opinion of Rav Shimon ben Nanes in our Mishnah that argues with Rav Yaisi. Rav Yaisi said that there's an issue if you cause to extinguish the fire when the uh, earthenware breaks open. But Rav Shimon ben Nanes, the Tanakama of the Mishnah, didn't have a problem with that. So Rav, the Tanakama says that you're allowed to cause it to, uh, to uh, extinguish the fire. And we see this from what the, the Tanakama said that you're allowed to cover closets with the, the hides of the animals, even though it's going to cause the fire not to burn, and not to, to prevent the fire from reaching there, you're allowed to do that. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, it's not the same thing. When did say what he said, that you're allowed to put the uh, hides of the animal to prevent the fire from spreading? It's just because it gets singed and it doesn't allow the fire to penetrate, but it doesn't actually extinguish the fire. It's not like water, that when the fire reaches the water, it actually extinguishes the fire. But kibui miyomar, over here, what Rav was speaking about, when a person is putting water down on the other side of the garment and it causes it to extinguish the fire, did Rav Shemim Bananas ever say that? So the Gemara says, yes, in, we can see that this is what Rav Shemim Bananas holds. How? Medikton, he says, for since in the safe, it says, Rav Yaisi does not allow you to create a barrier of new earthenware kalim that are full of water. Because they can't handle the heat of the fire, and it's going to burst, and it's going to cause the fire to be extinguished. That's what Rav Yaisi says, that there's an issue that is gram kibui, that you're causing to extinguish the fire. The fact that the Tanakama doesn't distinguish it with what kind of barrier you're making, so that shows us that he holds that it's not an issue. Whatever kind of barrier you create there is fine. We learned in a Braisa related issue. If a person forgot a candle, a lamp on top of a uh, tavla, on top of a tray, you can shake off the lamp, you can shake off this tray from the lamp. And it falls down. If it will extinguish on its own, then it will extinguish. And you didn't do it directly. You would just guide him that it should be extinguished, and it's not a problem. Right? So this is not so poshit. This case over here, Taisa speaks about it, and Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch, there's a huge arichas about this case. It, um, it, it depends if there's oil inside, if there's no oil inside. Taisa says it's only when there's no oil inside. If there is, then the oil spills or the oil gets closer to the wick and you're causing it to the fire to be stronger or the, the fire to be extinguished. So then it's definitely going to be an issue. It's not so posh in this case. The Gemara says, Omri Debe Rav Yanai. Now Rav Yanai says, so now this is an issue of muktzi here, so that you can't touch the lamp itself, but you could shake the tray, you could shake off the lamp from the tray. So the Gemara explains, This is all said in a case where a person did not intend to leave this lamp there on this tray for Shabbos, but he forgot about it, he forgot to take it off before Shabbos. If he explicitly he goes ahead and places it there on Shabbos, So then this tray becomes a base for the lamp, which is Aser. And anything that's a base for something which is forbidden on Shabbos is muktze in itself. So you can't uh, move the tray, you can't shake it off on Shabbos. Tana, we learned another related case, Ne'er Sha'achere a candle that's behind the door. Peseach v'noyel kedarkai, you could open and close the door as you wish, but ve'im kofsa, kofsa. If the fire is extinguished when you open and close the door, so then it's fine. 
It's not something that you intended to do. It's something that just happened. So like we said before, it's gram kiboy. You will guide him that the fire should go out and it's not a problem. Layet a lot of Rav. Rav cursed the one that said this halacha. Why was Rav so vehemently opposed to this? Is the reason it's because Rav holds like Rav Yehuda that says that even if you're not machavin, it's Asr, as we learned so many times. So this person opened and closed the door. He didn't intentionally want to extinguish the candle, but nevertheless, if that's what happens when he opens and closes the door, so then it's going to be Yasser, right? And the one that said this Braisi here, that this is allowed, is following the opinion of Rab Shimin that says that if you're not intentionally doing this, if you're Ein Machavin, then it's allowed. You show him the Rav, Savalak Rab Yehuda. If Rav holds like Rab Yehuda, called the Tonic Rab Shimin, anybody that says something that follows the opinion of Rab Shimin, he's so vehemently opposed, he curses this Psakalacha. So what's, what's going on over here? Amalei, so he answered him, no. Baha, I fill it up Shimon Maida. In this case, Rav held that even Rab Shimon would agree that this is not permitted. Why? Because Abai and Rav both say, Rab Shimon would agree in a case that it's Psikresha. If you have a door that you'll open, and when you're going to open this door, definitely the fire is going to go out. In such a case, even Rab Shimon would agree that even if you didn't intend for the fire to go out, nevertheless, it's not allowed. So therefore, Rav was so opposed to this Psakalocha. So there's a big, a big discussion in the Farshim over here. What's the Pshar and the Tana of the Braise that said that this would be allowed? Psikresh is something that everybody agrees to. So, let me just bring up a few things. First of all, the Marsha points out that we're not talking about the actual psikresha, but it's a case which is karev l'psikresha, it's close to psikresha. Interesting, a new concept, that it's something that's very close to being definite that it's going to extinguish, but it's not 100%, and that's what the argument over here is about. It's interesting to point out also, the Al-Tarebbe Shulchanarach, when he talks about this case, Al-Tarebbe says that there's a concept called suffix psikresha. It sounds like an impossibility. Psikresha means it's definitely going to happen, and Suffolk means it's a doubt. But Alter Rebbe says, no, what this means is, if a person opens a door, and you don't know what kind of wind is on the other side of the door. So it's a Suffolk, what's going to happen? But if there actually is a strong wind behind the door, so then the moment you open the door, it is Psikresha. What you're doing is, is definitely causing it to be extinguished. So that's called a Suffolk Psikresha. And Alter Rebbe in Simeresha in Zion, there's a Kuntres Achen there, speaks about this Bariches. The Alter Rebbe holds that Suffolk Psikresha is a problem. So there's a big Shaila about Suffolk Psikresha that might be relevant for this case as well. A third point is that there's a famous Aruch that I spoke about a few times, I believe, that Taisvis quotes that says that in a case of a Psikresha Deloy Michele, even if it's a psikresha, it's inevitable. But he does not want it to happen. He doesn't want the, the, the fire of the uh, lamp to go out. In such a case, even psikresha would be allowed. A person is allowed to open up a door opposite a flame of fire on Shabbos. When Abayah heard this, he cursed his psak. So the Gemara asks, what's going on here? What's the case? Are we talking in a case where just, just a regular wind? My time demandosa. Why would what the, what's the opinion that would say that this is forbidden? A regular wind is not going to affect the fire. If it's a time when there's a strong wind and he's opening the door and it's definitely going to blow out the fire, so my time demand the What's the reason for the opinion that says that it's allowed? Answers the Gemara. It's really talking in a case 
where there is just a regular wind. But Marsovar Gazrinon, Abayah's opinion was that there's a gzeir of Chazal. Because in certain cases where there's a stronger wind, it's going to cause it to go out. They were gazi, you never should have a fire right by the door and open the door right over there. Marsovar Gazrinon. And Rabbi Yehuda said, no, there's no gzeir. You have to know what, what kind of wind there is. And if there's not a strong wind, then it's not an issue. So, the Machlaikis here in the Mishnah was regarding creating a barrier for a fire. What kind of a barrier are you allowed to make for the fire? So, the Rabbanon, the Tanakhama of the Mishnah, didn't make any limitations to this. You could put up any kind of barrier, even if eventually it could explode, it could burst, and it could cause the fire to uh, be extinguished. Rabbi Yaisi was more stringent, and Rabbi Yaisi says, no, you have, to, you have to be careful what kind of barrier you put up. So now, shall we say that Rabbanon Rabban is the one that holds, causing it to be extinguished is allowed. Rabbi Yaisi is more stringent and he's the one that holds that causing it, causing the fire to go out would be forbidden. We know, we can see in Abraisa, it's the opposite. Rabbanon are the ones that are more stringent, and Abiyasi is the one that's more lenient. The Tanya, because we learned in Abiyasa, you're allowed to make a barrier for in front of a fire, with empty vessels, with full vessels, with filled with water, as long as it's not, the, it's, it's not expected to break. And these are full vessels that are not expected to break. If it's metal, it's not going to break. So, as we see, the Tanakam is very specific. He's very mach, but it has to be something that's not going to break and it has to be metal. Rabbi Yaisi, not Rabbi Yaisi, is more lenient. And Rabbi Yaisi says, Af klik far sichin. You could also use the kalim that come from this uh, village of Sichin, a klik far chananye, the kalim that come from the village of Chananya, ain't dark on the shtaber. They're, they're built strong and they're not going to break. So, right over here, we see the exact opposite. Rabbanon are the ones that are more stringent. They're concerned about the fact that the kalim could burst. And Rabbi Yaisi is the one that's being more uh, lenient about this. And this is a contradiction to what it says in the Mishnah. So now, what are you going to say? Let's just change the opinions over here and, and say as follows. So are we we're going to change the opinions of the Mishnah. So now we're going to say that in our Mishnah, we have to change the names of the opinions. And really, Rabbi Yaisi is the one that was more stringent. And Rabbi Yaisi did not allow this. But Rabbi Yaisi, again, let me, let me do this again. Let's change the names in the Mishnah. And Rabbi Yaisi is the one that was more lenient. And Tanakhama, the Rabbanon, are the ones that were more stringent. And now the Pshat of what Rabbi Yaisi is saying here in the Braise would be as follows. Rabbi Yaisi is speaking to the Rabbanon, telling the Rabbanon, you which are more machmer, why are you saying that only metal kalim are allowed? I can give you examples of other kalim that also won't burst in the fire. But the point is, we're going to have to change the opinions. Rabbi Yaisi is the, is the one that was more lenient, and the Rabbanon are the ones that are more stringent about this. They're worried about gram kibbutz that you might come to extinguish the fire. Says the Gemara, no, we can't say this. Umi matzis apchis or can you change the exchange the opinions of our Mishnah to say that Rabbi Yaisi is the one that was more lenient about this? Who was the one that was more stringent and held that causing the fire to be extinguished is forbidden? Rabbi Yaisi, it's Rabbi Yaisi that was more stringent. So we know that Rabbi Yaisi is the one that was more stringent. And here in the Braise, we see that Rabbi Yaisi is the one that was more lenient. 
Ella says the Gemara, We're not going to change the names of who holds what, but we're going to have to say that this entire Braise is really all one opinion. It's, it's really all the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. And our words missing in this Braise, and this is how it has to be read as all one long opinion. You can make a barrier with empty vessels or with full vessels. As Rabbi Yaisi's opinion is, only if it's not going to break. And these are the kalim that won't break. Klimatchis, metal, klikfar sichin, the kalim that come from the village of Sichin, the klikfar chananya, and they come from kfar chananya. Nami ain't darken leishtaber. They also will not break. Should Rabbi Yaisi Yaimer, since Rabbi Yaisi said that it's not only metal that's very strong that won't break, af klik far sichin a klik far chananya, also the vessels that are from kfar sichin or kfar chananya ain't dark on the shtaber, they won't break. So this is all Rabbi Yaisi's opinion, Rabbi Yaisi is clarifying his opinion where he said that you can't cause kibui, you can't cause to extinguish the fire. The Rabbanon though were more makel and the Rabbanon hold that you could cause to extinguish a fire. So now the Gemara is going to bring up another case where we see an Isser and there we see that the opinions are exchanged regarding causing an Isser. You're not doing the Isser directly, but you're causing it. And the question is, there's a contradiction here between the Rabbanon and Rabbi Romi the Rabbanon and the Rabbanon. So now we have a contradiction from the Rabbanon over here to the Rabbanon in another place. Romi the Rabbi Yaisi, the Rabbi Yaisi. And there's a contradiction in the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi. The Tanya, because we learned in Abrai, says follows, If a person has the Abish's name written on his skin, so now you're not allowed to erase the Abish's name, right? So, you're not allowed to wash yourself. You can't anoint yourself. You can't re- can remove the name. Because of the name being there, it has the holiness of the Abish's name. You're not allowed to stand in a place which is not clean. What if this person has to go to the mikveh? He's a balkari, as we'll see soon in the Gemara, and he asks it's a mitzvah for him to be metired himself and go to the mikveh. What do you do? He has the name of the Abishti, you can't erase the name. So the Tanakhama says, You just tie a, some kind of a reed, something, a bandit, or whatever it is to cover it. And you go to the mikveh and you're not going to erase the name. Rabbi Yaisi says, no, it's not an issue. If he has to go to the mikveh, let him go to the mikveh as he usually does. As long as he doesn't directly by hand rub off the name of the Ebishter, then it's fine. So what do we see right over here? Regarding this Isr of Mechika Sashem, of erasing the Abishta's name, the opinions are exchanged. The Tanakam is the one that says that even causing the Abishta's name to be erased is an issue. Can't go to the mikveh unless you put a bandit on it. Rabbi Yaisi is the one that says, no, he can go to the mikveh, he's causing the Abish's name to be erased, it's not a problem. Right over here by the Malacha of Mechabeh, we said the exact opposite. Rabbi Yaisi is concerned that you're causing the fire to be extinguished. And Rabbanon, the Tanakhama, is not concerned that you're causing the fire to be extinguished. So what's the story? Answers the Gemara, Shani Hasam. So the Gemara begins with the steer of Rabbi Yaisi and says as follows. Shani Hasam, the reason why over there Rabbi Yaisi is more lenient because the Amakra, there the Torah clearly says, And you will, um, you will erase the Abish's name from that place. 
Don't do this to the Abishtar. Again, you will erase the Avedizara from that place. You should not do this to the Abishtar. So, what do we see from this Pasik when it said, which is an action that you are doing directly? If you're doing it directly, that's not allowed. However, if you're causing it to happen, that is allowed. If you have this exemption because of this posik regarding erasing the Abish's name, so Ihachi, Hachanami over here we should say the same thing. What does it say by Shabbos? Ksiv, do not do any malacha. Only if you're doing the malacha, that's what's not allowed on Shabbos. But Gromeshari, if you're causing the fire to be extinguished, it should be allowed. So why would Rabbi Yaisi not use the same exclusion, the same drasha that he says here should apply here as well? So we still have a contradiction in Rabbi Yaisi's opinion. So the Gemara answers, you're right. Really, Minatayre over here, Rabbi Yaisi would agree that it should be permitted. But Mitayr, She'adam, Bal al like we already mentioned earlier regarding the whole entire concept of when a person's house is on fire, that there's a special gzeir of chazal not to allow him to save everything because a person is in turmoil because of his fire and he might extinguish the fire. If you allow him to create this barrier in a way that it's going to cause the fire to be extinguished, if you allow him to cause the fire to be extinguished, he might extinguish the fire directly. So therefore, Rabbi Yaisi was more machmer specifically here regarding a fire on Shabbos. But otherwise, over there, regarding erasing the Abish's name, he had no problem with, uh, there's no Isser if it's done just to cause it to be erased if he didn't erase it directly. Now the Gemara returns to the Rabbanon. But the question on the Rabbanon still remains. We have a contradiction here. Taisa says that really the word Ihachi is extra. We just, the Gemara is just returning to uh, the stira that we have in the Rabbanon. So, and the Gemara actually strengthens the question now, now that we brought up the uh, Svara, that um, there's a reason to be more stringent here by the fire. If over here in a case where a person is very in turmoil because of this fire, and he might come to extinguish the fire. Shari, we allow him to cause the fire to extinguish. Hacha, over here, when there's no such concern, most definitely the Rabbanon should allow this person to erase the Abish's name. So why didn't they allow him to go to the mikveh unless he puts a gemi, unless he has a reed covering it, so it shouldn't erase. So, now the Gemara is going to analyze deeper to understand the pshat and the opinion of the Rabbanon. What exactly is this guy doing when he's putting a band-aid on the Abish's name? V'tizbira. Is this the pshat over here in the Braise? Hai gemi heichidomi. This gemi, this band-aid that he has, what are we talking about? I the mahadik, if he's putting it on and it's tight, so then it's a chatzitze, there's, there's something that's interrupting, it's not allowing the water to reach there, he's not going to be toivel, the tefillah is not going to work. Eloi mahadik, if it's not tight, and therefore it's a good tefillah, so then Ayle Bamaya, the water is going to go there, and therefore it's, uh, it's going to erase the name. What is he accomplishing? So Mimanavshach, this gemi, this band-aid that he's putting, what is it accomplishing? So the Gemara says, wait a minute, chatzitze? You're saying there's an issue of chatzitze here? That's what you're concerned about? If you have the Abish's name written on your skin, so that itself is the chatzitze. The Abish's name is written there, so, so there's a chatzitze anyways. So the Gemara says, no, 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 that's not an issue. Belacha. Whatever he wrote the Abish's name with on his skin is still moist. The Tanya, and that's not a chatzitza. The Tanya, because we learned in Abraise, Hadam, Vadyoy, Vadvash, Vacholov, whether it's blood or ink or honey or milk, Yuvation, if you have this any, uh, on your body, if it dried up and it's, it's on your body, then Chaitzitzin. That's a chatzitza. Lachim, but if it's still moist, ain't Chaitzitzin. There's no chatzitza. 
Okay, so that's, so that's not a chatzitza. But we go back to our original question. What's the pshat of this person that's putting the gemi, putting the bandaid on his hand? What is he gaining by putting this bandaid on his hand? says there has to be a different shadir. The reason why the Rabbanon are, are being stringent here is that there's another issue, not about erasing the name. You're not allowed to be naked, undressed in front of the Abish's name. It's not, it's not covered. So the issue over here is not erasing it. Just like a hum hold by the fire, that you could cause the fire to be extinguished, you can cause the Abish's name to be extinguished as well. But you have to cover it when you're getting undressed. Does Rabbi Yesi hold that you're allowed to stand in front of the Abish's name undressed? Is there anybody that holds that? Could we say Rabbi Yesi holds that? So the Gemara says, no. The monarch He just cover it with his hand. He doesn't have to put a gemi on it. He can just cover it with his hand and then it's, it's okay. There's the, the right covet for it. Such a simple eitzah. So according to the Rabbana, why does, he, why does he have to tie a bandit, a gemi on it? He could just put his hand on it. And says the Gemara, but zimnin de mishteli v'shakalei. Rabbanan are afraid that he might forget your hand is not permanently there. You might forget and remove your hand and that's not going to be the covet for the Abish's name. According to Rabbi Yaisi, wouldn't we be concerned about the same thing? That a person might remove his hand and therefore the name will be exposed to the person that's undressed? As follows, what they're arguing about is, everybody would agree that if there's a band-aid there, you have a reed, something that you could cover it with, so then for sure everybody says, it's not enough just to cover it with your hand, you should cover it with another reed. What are we talking about over here? When, in which case is their argument, does the person have to go and search to find a gemi if he doesn't have one? For a Baal Keri that has to go to the mikveh, a person that, that, that had an emission of semen, and he has a Baal Keri, and he has to go to the mikveh, going to the mikveh in the right time, it's not a mitzvah. The Torah gives you the ability to go to the mikveh, and it's a Eitzah to go to the mikveh as soon as possible, but you don't have to go to the mikveh then. So therefore, the Rabbanan say, you could delay going to the mikveh and let him find something to cover it with. Umadrinon, and therefore he has to find something to cover the Abish's name. But Rabbi Yaisi Savar, Rabbi Yaisi's opinion is mitzvah. to go in the mikveh in the right time, that's a mitzvah, and therefore if he doesn't have something to cover it with right now, he shouldn't delay going to the mikveh. The loy mahadrinon, he doesn't have to go and find one, he should go to the mikveh and just cover it with his hand. So the bottom line is, there's no contradiction between the opinion of Rabbanon and Rabbanon, because here there's a whole other issue of the person not being allowed to stand undressed in front of the Abish's name. Okay, but now it comes out that the basis of the machlekes between Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbanon is in this issue whether we make a person go and find something to cover it and delay going to the mikveh. And Rabbi Yaisi's opinion is that tzvilu bismano is a mitzvah. Is this Rabbi Yaisi's opinion that toiling in the mikveh in the right time it's an obligation, it's a mitzvah? But we learned in Abraisa regarding Yom Kippur, Hazav, Hazav, Vametzer, Vametzeraz, Bayol Nidrut, Meimais. All these individuals that are Tomei and have to go to the mikveh on Yom Kippur. Tfilosan by Yom, they go to the mikveh by day. And even on Yom Kippur. Nida, Yeledes, Anida, or Yeledes, she gave birth. Tfilosan Balayla, they go to the mikveh at night, and if it comes out the night of Yom Kippur, they go to the mikveh. Balkeri, a Balkeri that, that had an emission and he has to go to the mikveh. Toivo Vahilach Kalayan Kula, he can go to the mikveh immediately all day. Right when he has the mitzvah, it's a mitzvah to go to the mikveh right away. 
Rabbi Yaisi, Aymer, Rabbi Yaisi disagrees. Rabbi Yaisi says, From after Mincha time onward, the person does not have to go to the mikveh. Let him wait until it's dark. And after it's dark, then he'll go to the mikveh. So what do we see right over here? Rabbi Yaisi says that he doesn't, it's not a mitzvah for him to go to the mikveh right away at the first opportunity. So before we said that Rabbi Yaisi holds it, no, to go to the mikveh right away is a mitzvah. Answers the Gemara, over there, it's a different Rabbi Yaisi. Ha'hi, Rabbi Yaisi bar Yehudihi. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi bar Yehuda, the Omar that said, Dayot vilo ba'achreina. It's enough for a woman to go to the mikveh the last time. So as Rashi explains here at length, what this is referring to is a case of a woman that had various different reasons to go to the mikveh. So there are more than one date that she has to go to the mikveh. The Tanakhama says, let her go to the mikveh for every single time, because it's a mitzvah every time to go to the mikveh. Although she'll remain until the last time, but Rabbi Yisrael by Yehuda says, no, there's no mitzvah to go to the mikveh in a specific time, so you can just go once to the mikveh the very last time to get rid of all the tumas, and that's enough. So Rabbi Yisrael by Yehuda is the one that holds that you don't have to go to the mikveh in the right time, but Rabbi Yisrael holds that you do.